Hi, everyone. Welcome to the teaching podcast of the Renew Community. We're glad you're listening. Typically, we have recorded these teachings at our large worship gatherings and dug deeper in our house churches. As we adapt to the realities of pandemic, we're grateful to be able to gather in our house churches to worship Jesus and to be formed together for mission. Our house churches have been a significant space of connection and encouragement as we recognize the vital importance of community and relationships for our life of faith and formation. And while we haven't been meeting in large gatherings, these weekly teaching podcasts have been another way for us to be formed through the scriptures and engage in further discussion and discipleship in house church, whether that's in person or with our Zoom house church that meets online. It was great to hear from Bobby Wrigley last week and really excited to hear from Cindy Gerhart in this week's teaching. Uh, but before the teaching, we do have a couple announcements that we wanted to make. First, please mark your calendars and save the date of August 30th. We are planning to have an outdoor gathering on the fifth Sunday of August, and this won't be just any gathering. A couple people have expressed a desire to be baptized, so we are thrilled to celebrate the work of Christ in their lives as they make a public profession and commitment of faith in Jesus. When we say, yay, God, and we look forward to celebrating. So this worship gathering and baptism celebration will be on the fifth Sunday of August, August 30th at Branchwood Park. And we'll be doing so with a great joy as we come together as a community. Uh, but with the realities of the pandemic, we'll also be seeking to do so in wisdom. Uh, so we will be implementing practices in accordance with CDC recommendations to reduce the risks of spreading the coronavirus. We'll be communicating more information about this gathering in the weeks to come, but please, please mark your calendars for this momentous celebration in the life of our church family. Also, if you or your child are feeling led to be baptized as a profession and commitment of faith in Jesus, please let us know. Uh, talk to Doug or me, any of our elders or your house church shepherd. Uh, we'd love to talk with you more about baptism and celebrate that step in the life of faith. Secondly, we will be continuing to meet in our house churches for the first four Sundays in August. Again, we are thankful for the opportunity to meet in our house churches as a vital space to worship Jesus together in community, to love and encourage and to be loved and to be encouraged, and to continue to pay attention to the Holy Spirit together. It is also a space to invite others who may be struggling in the season or curious about where God is in the midst of all that is happening in the world. I've been reminded about and encouraged this week by the early church of people that were mobile and scattered partially because of adversity, but also because they were given a commission to go. And so we're reminded that we are a sent people. And the New Testament writers talked about Jesus' followers as living stones, as people being a mobile, living, and moving temple of God's presence in the world. So as we gather in our house churches, the Holy Spirit is present with us and moves in us and through us for God's glory and the world's good. And with that, let's tune our hearts and minds to what the Spirit will speak to us through the scriptures and through Cindy as she teaches. Thanks again for listening. Greetings, Renew family. Cindy Gerhardt here with you to close out July. We're stepping away from the book of John this week to look at a different topic. You will need your Bible in hand before we go any further. We're going to be reading a lot of different verses. And get some paper and pencil for notes as well, because I am not going to simply talk to you and dispense information. 
We're going on a mission to discover truth for ourselves. I really wish that we were in the same room so I could see your faces and interact with you. So I'm going to imagine that we are all gathered around a table together. But with the advantage of a podcast being that you can hit pause anytime you feel the need. I am grateful that God is not limited by time, distance, or absence of video. So let's turn our attention to him in prayer. Lord, I praise you that you are Emmanuel, God with us. Thank you that even when we are not present with one another, your spirit lives in us and unites us together as your body, using technology for your kingdom purposes. Give us ears to hear and hearts to respond to what the spirit has to say to us now. Teach us and guide us into your truth, Jesus, for the glory of your name. Amen. So if this was an infomercial, and I was offering you the key to living in confidence right here and now in chaotic 2020, the key to being undisturbed by circumstances, a life of freedom, peace, and joy, would you call the toll-free number right away? Or would you laugh and think it's a scam? But what if I told you that the key to that kind of life is fear? Yep, you heard that right. Fear. We're going to start in Proverbs chapter one, and we're going to be spending a lot of time in this book. So you might want to put a bookmarker in there for a future reference. We're going to first start in chapter one and look at verses one through seven and see what this fear is all about. Proverbs 1, 1. The Proverbs of Solomon, son of David, king of Israel, for gaining wisdom and instruction for understanding words of insight, for receiving instruction in prudent behavior, doing what is right and just and fair, for giving prudence to those who are simple, knowledge and discretion to the young. Let the wise listen and add to their learning, and let the discerning get guidance for understanding proverbs and parables, the sayings and riddles of the wise. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge but fools despise wisdom and instruction. So what fear did you hear mentioned? And how was it defined? Make a note of that and write it down. There's going to be a lot of information to connect together. And writing it down, we'll put it all in one place and help bring clarity. Now let's go to Proverbs chapter 9. And we're going to be reading verses 10 and 11. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom, and knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. For through wisdom, your days will be many, and years will be added to your life. The same fear is mentioned in these verses again, but how is it defined this time? Write that down too. Now we're going to turn to Proverbs chapter 14. And we're going to watch for another definition as we read Proverbs 14, 26 and 27. In the fear of the Lord, there is strong confidence and his children will have refuge. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life that one may avoid the snares of death. So let's look at what we're writing down at this list. The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life, is having strong confidence, 
It's the beginning of wisdom and the beginning of knowledge. You see how valuable this fear is? But it's fear, Cindy. Does this mean we're supposed to be quaking, shaking in our boots, terrified of God? Of course not. Over the past several weeks, John chapters 13, 14, and 15 have shown us the loving relationship we have with Jesus and has repeatedly exhorted us not to be afraid. So we're going to look at the meaning of the words that are used to get a better understanding. There are multiple Hebrew words translated as fear in the Old Testament. The word can refer to various kinds of fears common to mankind or to the fear of the Lord. Context determines how the word is translated. The fear of the Lord is the opposite of the fear you and I are familiar with. It indicates reverence, respect, awe, trust, obedience. The fear of the Lord will deliver us from other fears because we have full confidence and trust in who he is and what he says. So now let's see what else can we learn about the fear of the Lord? What does it look like? How do we get it? Look back at your list and those definitions we've gotten from Proverbs. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom, a fountain of life. The word knowledge also appears in Proverbs 9 verse 10 in that the knowledge of the Holy One is understanding. And that's an important connection to make since knowledge is the beginning of the fear of the Lord. So let's write that down about knowledge. As soon as you're finished, let's go to Psalm and we're going to go to Psalm 111. We're just going to read verse 10 and see what that has to tell us about the fear of the Lord. Proverbs, sorry, Psalms 111 verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. To him belongs eternal praise. To pick up again, wisdom. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. This time, also note that obedience is connected with good understanding. All who follow his precepts have good understanding. Let's add that to our list. Now let's go to Proverbs chapter 8. And then we're going to go to Job. But in Proverbs chapter 8, we look at 12 and 13. Verse 12. I, wisdom, dwell together with prudence. I possess knowledge and discretion. To fear the Lord is to hate evil. I hate pride and arrogance, evil behavior, and perverse speech. Just see that new information? To fear the Lord is to hate evil. And knowledge is also mentioned again, this time as a possession of wisdom. I, wisdom, possess knowledge and discretion. Let's put that on our list. Now to the book of Job. It's the book right before Psalms. And we're going to go to chapter 28, verse 28. And it is God who is speaking here in this verse. Job 28, 28. And to man he said, Behold, the fear of the Lord, that is wisdom. 
and to depart from evil is understanding. Wisdom is again emphasized, and to depart from evil is understanding. Hmm. We heard that to hate evil is to fear the Lord in Proverbs 8. And now to depart from evil is understanding. It's an interesting connection, isn't it? Same concept, different reasonings. Let's put that on our list. To hate evil is to fear the Lord. And understanding is to depart from evil. Now, let's go back to Proverbs, to chapter 2 this time. We're going to read verses 3 through 6. Proverbs 2, verse 3. Indeed, if you call out for insight and cry aloud for understanding, and you look for it as for silver and search for it as for hidden treasure, then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom, from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. Did our key words jump out at you? Wisdom, understanding, fear of the Lord. Let's look at understanding. If we cry and search for it, then we'll understand the fear of the Lord and also find the knowledge of God. These verses also tell us where wisdom and knowledge and understanding come from. Verse 6, for the Lord gives wisdom from his mouth come knowledge and understanding. It all comes from him. So let's look at our list and these things we've just added to it. And let's put some of the pieces of this puzzle together. From what we've seen, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of knowledge, the beginning of wisdom. The fear of the Lord is also to hate evil, and it is a fountain of life. Now, knowledge is possessed by wisdom, and the knowledge of God is found for searching for understanding. And we saw that understanding is the knowledge of the Holy One, and it is also to depart from evil. Understanding belongs to those who obey God's precepts. And overall, the Lord is the one who gives wisdom, knowledge, and understanding. Wow. Can you see how beautifully woven together all these truths are? They are so wonderfully intertwined to one another. One cannot be separated from the other. They lead to each other. They go back and they go forth. It just begins and ends with the Lord himself. He's the one who possesses knowledge, wisdom, and understanding. So how then can we learn to fear the Lord? To trust him with every area and detail of our lives so that nothing can shake that strong confidence in him. That comes from knowing him, his character, his power, his sovereignty. Let's look at a few passages that can help us to know him better. We could spend, we will spend the rest of our lives, we don't have time together today to look at all of the scripture about him, but we can look at a few things and learn some important truths about who he is. And as we do this, 
Let's watch for those keywords again, fear, wisdom, knowledge, understanding. And be sure to make note of what the text tells you about the Lord. Let's start back in Psalms at Psalm 89, and we're going to read verse 11. Righteousness and justice are the foundation of your throne. Love and faithfulness go before you. So from this verse, we learn that the basis, the foundation of God's rule is righteousness and justice. We also see that love and faithfulness go before him. They precede him wherever he goes and whatever he does. So now let's go to Psalm 103. And we're going to read verses 11 to 19. Psalm 103, verse 11. For as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. As a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. For he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. The life of mortals is like grass. They flourish like a flower of the field. The wind blows over it and it is gone, and its place remembers it no more. But from everlasting to everlasting, the Lord's love is with those who fear him, and his righteousness with their children's children, with those who keep his covenant and remember to obey his precepts. The Lord has established his throne in heaven, and his kingdom rules over all. So there's a lot in here. What can we learn from these verses? Preeminently, his kingdom rules over all, over everything. All means all. There are no exceptions. He rules. And what is he like? Well, as high as the heavens are above the earth, so great is his love for those who fear him. So his love is so great, it can't be measured. And verse 13 says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those who fear him. So not only does he have immeasurably great love, he also has fatherly compassion for those who fear him. We see that he understands our weakness because he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we're dust. And his love, in verse 17, is from everlasting to everlasting for those who fear him again. So his love will never cease to be with those who fear him, with those who keep his covenant and obey his precepts. And verse 12 tells us that as far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. He has removed our sin and transgression from us. Thank you, Lord. How great and gracious he is. Let's move to Psalm 111 now. And let's read verses 7 and 8. The works of his hands are faithful and just. All his precepts are trustworthy. 
They are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. So what can we add to our list from these verses? The works of his hands are faithful and just. So everything he does is faithful and just. His word is trustworthy. The verse says all his precepts are trustworthy. We can trust his word. It also says that they, his precepts are established forever and ever, enacted in faithfulness and uprightness. So his word was enacted in faithfulness. It was put into action in faithfulness and uprightness. And it is forever true. It is established forever and ever. It will never fail. His word is sure. Now we're going to go to Isaiah 45. Isaiah chapter 45, verses 5 to 7. We're going to look at those together. Starting in verse 5. I am the Lord, and there is no other. Apart from me, there is no God. I will strengthen you, though you have not acknowledged me, so that from the rising of the sun to the place of its setting, people may know there is none besides me. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I form the light and create darkness. I bring prosperity and create disaster. I, the Lord, do all these things. So what new information can we put on our list we learn about the Lord from these verses? There's no other God but him. He emphasized that several times. None besides him. What else does he do that he says? Verse 7. I form the light. I create darkness. He forms light. He creates darkness. It also says that he brings prosperity and he creates disaster. Covering pretty much everything, isn't it? Now let's go jump way back to the book of Deuteronomy, which is the fifth book in the Bible. And we're going to be at the end of that book in chapter 32. And we're going to read verse 39. Deuteronomy 32, verse 39. See now that I, I am he, and there is no God besides me. It is I who put to death and give life. I have wounded, and it is I who heal, and there is no one who can deliver from my hand. Did that familiar phrase jump out at you? There is no God besides me? I think God really wants us to get the point that he alone is God. There are no others. And what does he say he's responsible for in this verse? I put to death. I give life. He's responsible and enacts death and life, wounding and healing. He also says that no one can deliver out of his hand. No one can remove anything out of his hand. Once he holds something or someone in his hand, there is no one who is powerful enough to take it away from him. Once God has you, you are safe in his hand. Did a couple of these things surprise you? 
And Isaiah says that God's the one who creates darkness and disaster. And in Deuteronomy, he said he puts to death and he wounds. This could be troubling statements. But if that's bothering you, remember that his kingdom rules over all. And every one of his attributes are in perfect balance with one another. His righteousness, his justice, faithfulness, his love, his compassion. He is all those things. He is righteous. He is just. And all the works of his hands are faithful and just. And we can trust him and rest in that. Now let's turn to Jeremiah. Chapter 32, verses 26 and 27. Then the word of the Lord came to Jeremiah. I am the Lord, the God of all flesh. Is anything too hard for me? So here we see he is the God of all flesh, the God of all mankind. Nothing is too difficult for him. Let's review our list. Who is he? How does he rule? What is he like? The basis of his rule, the foundation of his throne is righteousness and justice. Love and faithfulness precede him. His kingdom rules over all. He has immeasurably great love and compassion for those who fear him. He understands our weakness. His love never ceases to be with those who fear him. He has removed our transgressions from us. Everything he does is faithful and just. His word is trustworthy, put into effect in faithfulness and uprightness. It is forever true. There is no other God but him. He forms light. He creates darkness. He brings prosperity. He creates disaster. He puts to death. He gives life. He wounds and he heals. No one can remove anything out of his hand. We can trust him completely. He is worthy of our respect, our reverence and all. He is worthy to be feared. When we truly believe that God is all that he says he is and have faith that he's completely in control of all things, no circumstances of life, not the loss of income, not cancer or COVID, nor the loss of a loved one, no threats from man like physical danger, ridicule, or rejection, nor the fear those things produce can control us because we know that he is who he says he is. So what does this look like practically? Let's see a couple practical examples of how the fear of the Lord can deliver us from all these other fears. David faced danger danger and death many times in his life. So we're going to go to Psalm 56 and see how he dealt with fear. Psalm 56, and we're going to look at verses 1 through 4 and then jump to verse 8 and read 8 through 13. Psalm 56, starting in verse 1. Be merciful to me, my God, for my enemies are in hot pursuit. All day long they press their attack. 
My adversaries pursue me all day long. In their pride, many are attacking me. When I am afraid, I will put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Record my misery. List my tears on your scroll. Are they not in your record? Then my enemies will turn back when I call for help. By this, I will know that God is for me. In God, whose word I praise, in the Lord, whose word I praise, in God I trust and am not afraid. What can man do to me? I am under vows to you, my God. I will present thank offerings to you, for you have delivered me from death and my feet from stumbling, that I may walk before God in the light of life. Did you notice the emphasis on trust? Three times he crushed fear by trusting in the Lord. He didn't sugarcoat the situation. He was in danger. People were trying to kill him, and naturally he was afraid. But because David had a right understanding that God rules over all, he recognized that his enemies were mere mortals. They could not succeed against the Lord. And look what else was connected to trust. In God, whose word I praise. In God, whose word I praise. In the Lord, whose word I praise. Knowing his word and praising him leads to trust and will counter fear. And now Psalm 118, verses 4 to 9. Psalm 118 beginning in verse four. Oh, let those who fear the Lord say, his loving kindness is everlasting. From my distress, I called upon the Lord. The Lord answered me and set me in a spacious place. The Lord is for me. I will not fear. What can man do to me? The Lord is for me among those who help me. Therefore, I will look with satisfaction on those who hate me. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in man. It is better to take refuge in the Lord than to trust in princes. I'm sure the fear of the Lord jumped out at you this time. Let those who fear the Lord say his love endures forever. Understanding God's love for us is vital for fearing the Lord. Sacrificial love that loves the unlovely and will never fail is awe-inspiring. And what actions are mentioned in these verses that we could put into practice? For my distress, I called upon the Lord, David said. When in distress, you should call upon the Lord. He will answer. He said, take refuge in him. Don't trust in people, even powerful ones like princes. Do not fear because the Lord is for you. Hallelujah. Psalm 139 is a beautiful psalm, and it is just a treasure chest filled with God's greatness and his care for us. But we can only focus on verse 16 right now. So Psalm 139, verse 16. Your eyes saw my unformed body. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Let that sink in for a minute. 
all the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. Every day of your life was established by God before you were born. Can anyone or anything take your life before God's time? No way. David also said, The Lord is my light and my salvation. Whom shall I fear? The Lord is the defense of my life. Whom shall I dread? Let's look back at our notes now and summarize who the Lord is. The maker of heaven and earth. The source of wisdom and knowledge. His kingdom rules over all. His word never fails. He is compassionate, faithful, righteous, just. His love cannot be measured and it will never end. He is our light, our salvation, the one who holds the power of life and death, the one who is with us and is for us, our refuge and defense. Nothing is too difficult for him. He is truly awesome and worthy to be revered, to be feared. The fear of the Lord, the fear that conquers every other fear. May you receive this benediction. And now, brothers and sisters of the Renew community, what does the Lord your God ask of you? But to fear the Lord your God, to live in obedience to him, to love him, to serve him with all your heart and with all your soul, and to observe the Lord's commands and decrees he has given you for your own good. So go and follow him. Revere him. Obey him. Be in awe of him. Cling to him. Trust him. And you will have knowledge, wisdom, and good understanding from the fountain of life. Amen. Thank you for listening to the podcast of the Renew Community. This in no way should replace the formation within a community of Jesus followers. If you are looking for a church, would like more information about Renew, or would like to give financially to this ministry, check out our website at renewcommunity.org.